Hi, I'm Jimmy Correa, and thank you for listening to Conversations Between Addicts. Some of the most meaningful conversations I've had with people outside of my family were with people that had been where I'd been and had felt what I'd felt. It was raw, honest conversations that came after a 12-step meeting where buckets of tears were shed, or during the week when I called a friend because I needed help sorting through the mess in my head. They were the conversations where I wasn't trying to impress anyone, and I knew that they didn't judge me for all the stupid things that I'd done. This is what Conversations Between Addicts is about. I hope that as you listen, you will be inspired with hope for a brighter future and open up to someone that you can trust in full honesty. This is not a recovery program or any kind of replacement for professional help. As difficult as it may be, recovery really begins when you get real, fully honest with yourself and God. I urge you, if your life is being overtaken with addiction, get help. Talk with a family member, church leader, or colleague that you can trust. Go to a therapist or counselor. Get the help that you need. Real recovery from addiction doesn't happen alone in isolation. I know you can be free and feel the full joy that comes with that freedom. Most of all, I want you to know that you're not alone in this. We really are all together. So reach out, speak up, and let's help each other out so that we can enjoy that, that joy and freedom that comes from recovery from addiction. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, it's called Conversations Between Addicts. I'm Jimmy Corey, and I'm the host of this uh, crazy endeavor. I'm excited to do it. And I'm thrilled. I, I've got a guest here that uh, I've been following for a little while and, and kind of looked up to on, on as far as the internet blogging and, and you know marketing stuff goes. Uh, his name is Andy Proctor. And he's an internet entrepreneur and author of a book on finding your purpose in life called Live Your Mission. He's also a positive psychology enthusiast and is about to launch a new website called More Happy that will give research-backed advice on how to be happier. Um, and I, that's a really humble um, introduction, I think. He's got several blogs and websites out there. He's, he's done a lot of great work at spreading some some good vibes through the internet, which I think is crucial. Um, and anyway, welcome, Andy. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for the intro. And uh, yeah, glad to be here. Yeah. So, Andy, uh, I get this is we actually just met, I guess, a few days ago when I finally uh, had the guest to contact you. Um, <laughs> I, followed, I followed your 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 blog. Uh, the return missionary for a little while. I think it's fantastic what you're doing to, to help uh, other guys that are, you know, preparing for missions or return missionaries. Uh, uh, and you're doing a lot of great work. Why don't you, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us a little about, bit about yourself, um, what you're doing, what you're, what you're passionate about. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing uh, blogging for a long time uh, after after I graduated from BYU, I, uh, um, you know, started working in technology fields. Uh, like I started working in a, a, a technology company and learned how to build websites. Um, and uh, so ever since then, I've just been kind of trying to use, um, you know, the knowledge that I have in internet marketing and, and, you know, web development and all that stuff 
to, uh, to kind of, you know, to help people. And so, um, so yeah, uh, I've, I've definitely, um, yeah, started the return missionary in like 2012 is when I really started to publish on there. Um, you know, launched LDSmissionaries.com as well, um, with, uh, some other, uh, great people, um, and, uh, have another website called happymormons.com that, um, haven't done a ton with, but, uh, you know, we publish on there as well. And, um, lots of LDS niche, uh, you know, blogs, um, out there that I, I, I love using social media. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about different, uh, things that I've, uh, that I've started, but, uh, I don't know if I should, you know, talk about them as being something I started rather than, you know, maybe even just being distractions of, <laughs> of, yeah. of a lot of things that I've been working on. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I definitely am proud of the return missionary, uh, the work I've done there. Um, and, and, uh, it's, it's because there's definitely a need, um, tons of return missionaries out there, uh, who've served, served missions and then they come back and, you know, uh, kind of don't really know what their what what their purpose is, and and really they don't have a solidified idea of their identity after they come home from the mission. And so that's kind of um, you know something that, uh, that that's the reason why I wrote that book, um, the Live Your Mission book, is uh, because I want to help people who come back from the mission have all this energy to go out there and and use that energy towards something that is. Uh, you know, is exciting for them and it's going to really push them forward in their life. Um, so, so yeah, that's, uh, I, I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm doing and I'm really passionate about positive psychology. I feel like it's a, it's a life changing thing that, uh, you know, over the next decade or so is going to be really going to change the world. So, yeah. Cool. I love, I love how you, you brought that up about live your mission and, and how there, there really is this, because that relates a lot to some thoughts that I've had about, you know, we've got this army of return missionaries, you know, in the church and, and not just in the LDS church, but in, you know, in, in lots of churches, there's this army of men who have have been serving in their church, have been doing a lot of good in their life, maybe as a youth, maybe as an adult. Um, and yet it seems like there's this this huge untapped resource in our world. Uh, both in the LDS church and in and other uh, other denominations and, and outside of churches, a lot of good men who yeah. kind of seem stuck because they're 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 just stuck in that mediocrity and not living a purpose, not not doing it. Whether it's because they're caught in an addiction or or just caught in the the mediocrity of life, um, I've, I've thought yeah. a lot about that too. How can we help break open this untapped army to to yeah. go out and really do some good? Yeah, honestly, I think uh, in the first chapter in, in, in the Live Your Mission book is actually all about, um, you know, being clear on the difference between your role, your current role, and your identity. So, you know, as missionaries, we're, we have a role. It, it is full-time, you know, our role is a full-time missionary. But a lot of times we get confused into thinking that full-time missionary is our identity. And so once we get home from the mission, you no longer have that if you believe that your identity is is a missionary your identity is crushed um, because you're no longer a full-time missionary and then you think okay who am i now and a lot of times i think that's that's actually you know a reason why um you know missionaries who come home 
uh, you know, slip into the addictive behaviors and, and um, struggle with things uh, and not just with addictions, but with all kinds of stuff um, mm-hmm. because they, they've confused that role with identity instead of saying, okay, my role was a missionary and now my, and, and my identity as a mission, like when I was in the role of missionary was the same as my identity now. Mm-hmm. And I just have to remember who I am. And then it's okay to take on new roles um, in life. You know, we have all kinds of different roles we're going to be taking on after the mission, but, but our ident- our identity never changes. We're always, you know, and, and I, in that, in the book, the first chapter, I, I go through some exercises of how you can really, you know, identify, you know, who, who you are and, and then use that to find your mission. So it's really powerful. No, I, I really resonate with that because I remember, you know, growing up, growing up in the LDS church, it was like my, my life, I, in my mind, my life was kind of planned out for me. You know, you got certain milestones you hit. And yeah. At the time, it was 19 was when you were supposed to go on your mission. Um, right. You get home, you're supposed to get married for, you know, not immediately, but, you know, pretty quick. And you're supposed yep. to go to college and then start a career. And and yeah. when you were talking about that, you know, the, the difference between role and identity and sometimes getting that confused, it reminded me of when I, you know, I, I finished my mission, came home, and within, it was less than a year, I was married. And... Uh, I remember going into social situations with my wife and, and I've always kind of been a little bit shy, but you know, what's the first thing someone asks you as a, as a, as a male in, in a general sense, if you're married, especially the first thing that, you know, other people are going to ask you is, Oh, what do you do? And what they're asking is what is, what do you do as a career, as a job? Or, right. or are you, you know, in school preparing for a career, or a job? And that was kind of hard for me because I've never felt like I could answer it in a super confident way of like, you know, yes, I'm this, I'm this, you know, preparing to be a CEO of this corporation and I'm going to be super successful, you know? Right. And, and that was, that was part of my shame. I think that, that, yeah, one of the many, many facets. Um, But uh, yeah, I think that, that uh, difference between role and identity you know, kind of ties into that. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, what else, what else do you think is maybe at the root of, of this addictive behavior that uh, a lot of us experience? Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, such, such a huge question, I think, but uh, because I mean, it's crazy. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've struggled with, with the uh, addictive behavior, I guess you could say, um, you know, with addiction, uh, since, I mean, it started when I was like, I was like 12 or I don't know. I don't know. I mean, first time I ever saw, you know, pornography, I think it was like, I don't know. I think it was like eight and it was like a, uh, you know, in the basement of, of my stepdad or something like that. And, you know, it was just like, it was, it was kind of a shock, you know I mean? I think it's always a shock the first time, uh, you know, you see it as a kid. Um, but, uh, but yeah, when I was, you know, but it really the behavior, um, itself didn't start till I was like, you know, maybe 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I didn't, you know, really get the courage to tell anybody about it until I was maybe like, yeah, like, I mean, maybe like 13, 14 years old. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, I told, told the Bishop, you know, things like that. Um, and, 
and and I'm kind of like one of those I don't, I don't know you know if there's anybody else out there who's ever experienced it like this but they, you know I've I've talked uh, with like you know bishops about it ever since ever since then you know mm-hmm. um, yeah, and too. you know and it's it's kind of like you know okay wh- you know which and, and and I've moved around a lot and you know and as as you go to college and you come back you know you have like all these different bishops and, and you're like, okay, great. Another bishop gets to hear something about my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hooray. Yeah. Um, it's that thought of like, Oh, I hope this is the last bishop I ever have to talk to you about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and I, and, and mostly just, you know, that's something that I've definitely gone through. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully a lot of people out there have, have related and, um, you know, and, and sometimes people maybe, maybe they don't even talk about it till you know till they're till they're much older. You know, mm-hmm. um, but and and I I was you know Stacy and I um, we were in a, a, a married student ward at BYU for a while where you know they str- that they struggled with it um, when they were younger too, but then and they still struggle with it, mm-hmm. but because they were married and because they were students at BYU, mm-hmm. they were really afraid. To, to bring it up again because they felt like, oh no, like I'm, I'm married in the temple and I should be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. You know? And they think like, oh, well, if I'm not perfect, like my wife's going to divorce me or like my, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm going to get kicked out of BYU or something, mm-hmm. you know? And so they, they're afraid. And so anyways, but to, to answer that, the question, sorry, I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent, but just no kind of giving a little bit of background too. You know, I think the root of the addictive behavior is really is helplessness, mm-hmm. the feeling of helplessness, and which is, I believe, the opposite of hope. So like, and just to, to clarify, I, I think in just in the world of positive psychology, hope is a belief that you have a brighter future, like that you can see a brighter future. Um, you know, paired with a belief that you have the power to make it so. And, and helplessness, helplessness is the belief that you will never be able to change your situation, that you are, that literally that you're determined, you know, that you, that because you, you know, messed up or because you've had this addiction or because you, and and, and, and doesn't even have to do with addiction. Like it can be, it can have to do with anything else. Like, for example, I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've been divorced, um, before in my life. And, and, uh, this is my, my, I'm on, you know, second marriage and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm only 32 years old, but I, you know, and I, I felt like after the divorce, my life was over, you know, and I thought this has determined the rest of my life. I will never be able to be successful again. I'll never be able to have hope again. I will never you know, uh, whatever it is, all those, those, those labels, those negative thoughts you have, you know? And, um, so, so yeah, why, why do I think that it's because, you know, when you believe you can't do anything about your situation to change your situation, why, why would you even try, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of research out there on what's called learned helplessness. Um, Mm -hmm they used to like shock dogs, you know, and, uh, and into thinking that they like literally like electric shocks, you know, into thinking that they, they can't do anything about getting out of the shock mm. and to where the, 
the dogs would literally, after they'd learned that helplessness, they would literally stop trying and they would just, they would just take the shock, you know? Um, But yeah, but like when you believe you do have a glimmer, like even a glimmer of hope in the future of realizing your hopes and your dreams, that's when hope is born. And that's, I believe that's when real optimism can ignite you into changing. So, so yeah, like I, I believe that, you know, if, if we can find our purpose and find that like real hope, you know, that's when we'll be able to, you know, be motivated to change that addictive behavior because other, otherwise you, you'll just, you'll never believe um, that you can have anything better than the, than that thrill, the thrill of, or that, you know, the stimulation that comes from the behavior. Cause I think a lot of times for me, you know, it's not, it's not that I, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's more of a, it's like a cover of, of, of the pain. Like the addiction itself isn't, this is at least what I believe, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, is that the, the pain is not, or the, the, the addiction is not the, um, the root. Um, it's the pain behind the addiction that you're trying to, that you're trying to cover up. So, and I believe that the root of that pain is helplessness. If you truly believe you can change your situation in life, like you were saying when somebody says, you know, Hey, so what do you do? You know, it's like, you're like, Oh my gosh, like I have no idea what I do. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I've, I've done or, this or I'm, what I do or, or what I like, do isn't yeah, good yeah. enough. You know, exactly. Exactly. What I do isn't good enough. And, but if you believe that you are good enough, then and and if you believe that you like you have that hope that you not only see a brighter future even a brighter present and a brighter future and that you have the power to make that so that's when that's when you i think that you'll really be able to to change it um so so this is this is really cool (laughs) i when you're talking about this helplessness it it brought to mind a conversation that i had with a therapist once I I honestly I just had a re- relapse and I was in the, you know that dark pit of like holy cow what did I just do and yeah and my life's over like this is this is it I'm done right you know? and my therapist kind of had to pull me out of that and he's like I don't think that the relapse is the real tool of satan I think really what he's trying to do to you is get you discouraged yep because you know we make mistakes as part of life you know relapses slips whatever it may be um even an addiction like that's that's part of life there's there's mistakes and there's challenges that we face it's gonna happen i mean god knew that when he sent us here and yeah but i don't think you know i think i agree with my therapist in that you know it's it's not about the mistakes that we make um, Satan's trying to get us to be discouraged because when we're discouraged or when we feel that helplessness, we take ourselves out of the game. Like, like you said that we are determined, you know, it's like we've, we've decided for ourselves, yeah. I'm, I'm done. There's no hope for me. And the interesting right. thing is that we decide that for ourselves. It's not what God has said. He's never told us that he never said, sorry, you, you, you failed the test. You're, you might as well just walk out of the, the classroom right now. He never says that. Right. 
Yeah. You know? And yet we yeah. somehow think that we can tell ourselves that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, as it, for all the LDS, you know, listeners, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, we are, we are not a church of determinism. You know, we believe in agency mm-hmm. and, and, and we believe that the reason why we have agency is because of the atonement. You know, the atonement is like the ultimate destroyer of helplessness. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, the helplessness is kind of the root of the the behavior. I like that. that. Um, So what kind of, I mean, you said you you just touched on the atonement is the ultimate um, destroyer of helplessness. I like that. What, what are the ways that you've been able to better learn about the atonement, better access that power of our savior, Jesus Christ? Um, are there resources you've tried or things that have helped you connect better? I don't know. What's, what's worked with that? That's a good question. Um, so, you know, I think, um, with regards to, you know, um, the Eto- I actually wrote an article about this on the return missionary. If you just Google, you know, six ways to activate the power of the atonement, um, it'll it'll pull up or just look for it on Pinterest. It's been pinned like thousands of times on Pinterest. It's kind of crazy. Well, but, I'll, link it, I'll link it on the podcast too. Yeah, um, it's really good. Um, and I talk about, you know, things you can do to activate the, the power of the atonement on there. And, um Lots of, I, I mean, and you know, if I were to say the one thing um, is uh, really, you know, understanding God's love. So, and I, I, uh, I think it's really, really important. Um, is you know, Elder Holland just barely talked about this in general conferences. You know, the the great commandment he says is to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Um, but then he says, and the great truth of all eternity is that God loves you with all of his heart, might, mind, and strength. And I think, um, you know, uh, that really, you know, the atonement will never be activated. The atonement will never, repentance will never begin until you have truly felt God's love. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't feel like you've you've felt it, like you'll know, like you'll know. Um, and if you if you don't feel like you do know, then you know I would I would say like look at it again and and do something to change um, to the point where you feel God's love. I think um, you know, and I I uh, I think. Uh, really the difference between, for example, Nephi and Laman, you know, Laman and Lemuel, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, they both saw angels, like they were both rectified into obedience, you know, um, they both, uh, I mean, they were both, you know, sons of a prophet or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and what was the difference between them? Like, why didn't Laman and Lemuel, you know, finally come back to where Nephi was and Jacob was and, you know, like Sam, uh, I think it's because that they didn't feel 
they didn't truly feel God's love. They didn't ever experience it. And Nephi did. And so, I mean, truly, like, I, I, I believe that, you know, until you feel that love, you will never have the sufficient motivation to change. So, so how, how do you do that? Because I, I resonate with this too. I, for me, I think a big shift in my recovery came when I was able to, to feel that love. And um, because it's, it's, to me, it's the opposite of that shame. How Brene Brown talks about it. Shame yeah. being, <clears throat> excuse me, shame being uh, different from guilt. Guilt is, you know, oh, I made a mistake. I did something wrong. Shame is, no, I am a mistake. I am yeah. something wrong, you know. And right. I, I felt that in a lot of ways, that helplessness, that shame of like, there's no hope for me. <clears throat> and yeah. uh, I, you know, when I was able to finally get over that determination, it, it did, it made a shift. So how do you help somebody, um, you know, or help yourself when you, when you just hate yourself, you know? <laughs> So um, this is something that I think uh, I've, I've definitely had to work on myself as well. And um, in the world of positive psychology, um, you know, and sometimes I have to shift back and forth, you know, just as a like side note, I have to shift back and forth between my, what I, what I think in, in my kind of religious LDS culture brain mm -hmm. and what I think in my like, you know, professional positive psychology brain, mm -hmm. because when I think, Outside of that, a lot of times there's so many things in, the, in our culture that just have permeated our culture with shame and with, you know, those th that uh, it's, it's just it's very negative sometimes. But in the world of positive psychology, I think there's there's a there's a lot of study on um, what's called self compassion, and um, you know, so having having compassion on yourself, like being, it's basically just you know, it's like being nice to yourself. You know, <laughs> like it, there's a, a, there's a lot of research about how we are like, you know, beyond the, uh, the, the bullies in, you know, third grade who like threw us off the merry-go-round or whatever. Um, like we are the meanest people to ourselves, you know, like we, we, we are meaner to ourselves, um, than anybody else is, uh, to us. And, uh, and so self-compassion kind of helps us to, you know, you know, kind of get that uh, inner bully out of our head. So, yeah, I think that's, that's important. My, my, I hear my wife often tell people when she's speaking or, or doing uh, trainings, you know, it's not about what the bully says to us. It's what we say to ourselves over and over and over again afterwards. Exactly. You know? Exactly. It's yeah, somehow stopping that that inner negative self talk. Or, you know, I've heard other people say it as, you know, it's it's Satan talk. It's it's right. not it's not what we truly would say to ourselves. It's what Satan's trying to get to get in our heads. Totally. So whichever your whatever your belief is, however you look at it, yeah, that's I, I think that's it's key to switch it and get it to where it's it's going in the right direction because you we do a lot of damage to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely for sure. So, what? Um, one of the other questions I want to ask you too, I think, is really important. Is um, 
we we need to hit on the honesty. How what does yeah. honesty mean to you? Um, why why is that the first step in the twelve steps? Why do you know recovering addicts always talk about got to be honest, got to be honest? What do they mean? Yeah, that's good. I think it's a great question. So I think you know um, honesty really to me is. I like to look at it as um, honesty and integrity both. So I heard something at a, at a, um, I went to a UCAP conference um, uh, last year, I think it was, I can't remember when it was, but it was uh, the Utah coalition against pornography uh, conference. And um, I believe it was, um, Oh gosh, Jill Manning. She's a researcher. Um, uh-huh. and she, she talked about um, integrity and, Um, she said that integrity is telling myself the truth and honesty is telling the truth to other people. I I really love that because I think she was quoting Spencer Johnson, which who I have, I have actually have no idea who that is, but, um, (laughs) but I just have that in my, in my notes from her. But, um, but yeah, integrity is telling myself the truth and honesty is telling the truth to other people. And so, you know, if you have integrity, you're going to tell yourself the truth and then honesty will be easier. Um, uh, yeah. Because, you know, you don't have, you don't have to be open or it's like you with, 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 with honesty, you know, it's like, well, you know, what, what do I, because there's, there's all different degrees, like right. in honesty, it's like, okay, so are you going to, um, you know, people think, well, honesty, you know, it's like, there's, you know, I'm not going to, um, when I introduce myself to be honest, do I have to say, Hey, my name's Andy Proctor. And you know, I've, I've struggled with addiction my whole life and I'm also divorced. And um, I also peed my pants in third grade. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you're, if you don't say those things, you're not being honest. You know? Cause that's the truth, you know? Um, but the truth is like, are you telling yourself the truth? And then, you know, you get to be the, the you know kind of the the gatekeeper of what do i share with others um and as long as you are telling yourself the truth if you tell yourself the truth you'll be able to know what you should share with others because you know it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to be vulnerable like like Brene Brown said vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation and creativity and change mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're vulnerable with people in the right situations, if you're on, if you're, if you're telling yourself the truth, you are going to be able to be vulnerable with people who need you to be able to tell them the truth about your situation. But you don't have to, you know, if you're telling yourself the truth, you also don't have to, you know, uh, you know, I don't have to like get up in sacrament meeting and, 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 and share about, you know, my deep, dark secrets. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, I can, I can, uh, you know, yeah, I don't have to do that. So, um, so you, you don't have to question yourself of like, Oh, am I being honest? You know, it's like, well, am I telling myself the truth? And if I'm telling myself the truth, if I have integrity, then I'll know, you know, in what situations I need to tell other people. Um, different facts about myself, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's clear. That totally makes sense to me. And and I'm guessing if others um, are listening that are, are struggling with addiction themselves, I think they'll get it because 
yeah, that's a that's a constant battle of like, oh, do I you know I'm supposed to tell my bishop and I'm you know spill everything to him, but am I supposed to tell every detail to my wife? Is that really good for her? You know, do I need to do I need to tell yeah. my kids that I struggle? Like, there's all those questions that you know, and I and I think it is different for everybody. Um, you know, it's not like this set answer. Um, other yeah. than you know, at a the honesty, you, you need to be honest, and everybody. Yep. And and to be able to understand if you're being honest, I like that that you the integrity comes first. If you're honest with yourself, it's easier to understand, you know, what honesty yeah. means when you're talking to other people. Um, yep. Yeah. Tell yourself the truth first. And I, it reminds me of something my mom said once. Um, you know, if something has to be a secret, you know, if it feels like you're forced into keeping it a secret, then, then you know there's there's trouble with it like yeah yep. um yeah for sure yeah absolutely no yep i agree with that anyway yeah that's yeah that's a good way of thinking about it so what what have you gained what's been the, the best lesson you've learned in this process of of addiction i i, I love hearing the these lessons of you know, what people have learned, what, what have you learned um, in this pain? Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's a big one. The integrity thing is huge. Um, uh, you know, telling myself the truth and it's like, you know, cause it's, it's like you, you look at it and you're like, okay, how many bishops have I told? Well, I don't know. You know, um, how many people have I been honest with? Well, the thing, the truth is it's not about those people. It's about you. You know, in the end, you know, like, uh, I, I can't remember who it was that said this, but um, I believe it was, uh, you know, I mean, so C.S. Lewis has said a ton of, of, of things like this, but there's, there's a really great quote um, by uh, William James. And he, he said something like, um, let me just pull it up here. Okay, so he says that the hell to be endured hereafter, of which theology tells, is no worse than the hell we make for ourselves in this world by habitually fashioning our characters in the wrong way. Mm. We are spinning our own fates, good or evil. And I think that's what we what we, we, we believe doctrinally as LDS people as well as you know the world. That was William James, he's a psychologist. Um mm-hmm you know, a uh, classic psychologist, but he, it, it's really true. And C.S. Lewis talks about that type of thing all the time. That same principle. It's, it's really that central self who chooses that ends up, you know, uh, you know, in the end, wherever we want to end up. And, you know, it's like Bruce C. Hafen says that, you know, in the end, like we can have eternal life if we really want it you know, but only if there's nothing we want more. And, um, and really like, uh, and I, I just, I feel like the thing that I've learned about it is that um, it's, it's really about who do I want to become and who, who do I really like, who am I and what am I making of myself? You know, um, I talk a little bit about this in the book, uh, um, the Live Your Mission book about, 
you know, um, there's a chapter that I think I, I called it, uh, stay out of hell or something like that. And, um, and where I talk about, you know, in this life, we're, we're literally placing bricks on buildings, um, you know, that, that we're building and we're, we're, we're putting brick by brick in this life. Um, you know, we're, we're building ourselves and we like, we, we are the building, you know, and if, if, if we don't like what we're building, you know, if we, if you started building a building of, of dishonesty or lack of trust or where you have to lie a lot to get through things or to, you know, whatever it is, like if you've, if you've put a lot of bricks on that building, you know, just be careful because that same building will be built in you know, after you die, like, and, and you'll either have to, you know, at some point, if you don't want that building, you're going to have to knock it over. Mm. Uh, You're going to have to take those bricks down. And, um, and so, you know, bit like brick by brick, you are building who you are. And so really to me, it's like, you know, who, who am I becoming? What buildings do I want to build in heaven? Um, because I'm building them right now. And if I don't like the building that I'm, that I'm adding bricks to right now, then I'm going to stop adding bricks to that building. So, you know, it's just a metaphor that helps me to remember like, where are my bricks going? (laughs) You know, and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's really all about who we're becoming, you know, having, having a, a, a little teeny problem with lying you know, may not matter if we, uh, you know, if we, if we only live 70 years, you know, or 80 years or however long you live in this life. Mm-hmm. But if you live a million years, if we, if we never stop living, if we are actually literally eternal beings, like having that little problem with dishonesty or with anger or with whatever it is that you are building yourself right now in a million years, that will be hell. Like you will have built hell for yourself. Yeah. That's what I believe. Well, so to me, you know, I think that's a pretty huge lesson that I've learned. So, no, I think that's great. I think it's fantastic. So we're out of time here, but I would like you to share your last message of hope with um, our listeners. Um, Maybe someone that feels that helplessness and needs a little bit of hope. What would be your, your, your last life message to those that are truly helpless? You know, I think, um, you know, if you're here listening, um, you're obviously, you care about this, um, or you're at least curious. <laughs> and, um, and I would say, you know, be uh, something that I've thought about a lot as I've, I've gone to some of this 12 step meetings and even just like, started, you know, doing a lot of the stuff with, uh, you know, the addiction recovery and things like that. Um, I think you, we have to really be careful with labels and how we label ourselves. Um, a lot of times they'll, you know, I actually stopped going to one of the 12 step meetings because of the way that one of the leaders of the group was using the term addict. Um, you know, and everyone was saying, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict. And like, we're all addicts. And, um, you know, I, I really, I feel like it's, it's so important to be careful with our identities and God 
is so like he he he's he cares so much about what we think about ourselves. And so, you know, are you, are you an addict? You know, I would, I would just be really careful with attaching that to your identity. And that's, I mean, that's really the message that I, that I want to want people to know is like, you know, I feel like that's so important to, to not get confused and attaching that label to your identity because I think so many people don't, they, they, they don't want to be called addicts when they, when they're thinking, well, should I put the effort into, to trying to overcome this addiction? This is going to be a huge social blow. This is going to be a huge blow to like my relationships. Da, 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 if everybody starts thinking that I am an addict. Um, but if you can look past that, that label and not label yourself as a part of your identity, like you, um, you know, like, and not to go really far into this, but you know, it's like a, it's like a call in, in India, there's a lot of lepers, you know, and, and these, a lot of these lepers are incredible artists, you know, do they want to be called lepers or do they want to be called artists? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Oh, you're a leper. Okay, great. You know, uh, no, like you're an artist, you're a beautiful human being. I think it's the same thing with addicts. Are you an addict? Well, Maybe, maybe you have an addictive behavior, mm-hmm. but you're, in a, you're a beautiful human being. You have an amazing life. You have a soul that, is, that, you know, that can stretch to eternity. Like you, you're an amazing person. So be really careful with calling yourself an addict. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I'm an amazing person who just happens to have struggled with an addiction. You know, I'm not an addict in my mind. So, you know, do I tell myself the truth about me struggling with an addiction? Absolutely. I tell myself the truth. And, you know, and, and in the right situations, I tell other people the truth as well. Am I an addict? I, I don't see myself as an addict as a part of my identity. So that would be my message to people out there that you've got to be careful with how you look at yourself. So love yourself. If God loves you that much, got to love yourself that much. That's great. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so for those of you listening, the, you know, uh, we hope that you, this uh, podcast has been inspirational to you. Uh, uh, a little bit of hope, a little bit of help, maybe in your recovery process. Hopefully it will uh, motivate you to go out and talk with somebody. Open up and share with someone that you can trust your, your challenges, your struggles, be honest and have those conversations that are sometimes difficult, but man, they can be life changing and very powerful. So Andy, I'm going to give you the last word. Uh, if someone wanted to contact you or, or connect with you, how could they do that? You know, or, or get a hold of your book, your, your, your blog, how can they connect with you? Uh, you know, the return to missionary.com is, is good. Um, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of online. I'm kind of all over the place. So yeah, Twitter, um, Facebook, um, you know, you can even go to my website, Andrew Scott Proctor.com. That's Scott with one T. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out. Um, and, uh, I may not get back to you really quick, but yeah, reach out either way. I'd love to, especially with regards to this, love to help out in any way I can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. Sure. Appreciate your time and your thoughts. Uh, I think you've, you've done some good today. 
So thank you. We will talk to everybody later. Thanks, Andy. We'll see you. Take care. Hi, this is Jimmy Correa. I'm the host of Conversations Between Addicts. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that you'll visit us at our website, www.jimmyandshelly.com. It's J-I-M-M-Y-A-N-D-S-H-E-L-L-Y, where you can find out more about me or my wife, Shelly, and here are some of the things that we enjoy doing. Most of all, I hope that you will share this podcast with someone else. My experience has been that every family is hit with some kind of addiction, depression, some kind of a big challenge like that. And it really takes having an open, honest conversation to strengthen and build relationships. I know that that's been a huge blessing in my life, and I hope that you will reach out and start those conversations with someone else because it's hard to start sometimes. Most of all, I hope that you remember that there are people out there that need to have those conversations with you. They need to hear honest, open, heartfelt feelings and know that they're cared about. Really and truly, there are people depending on you. So go out and share. Go out and talk with them. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.